Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is episode 15 of The Milkman of St. Gaffs, Fish and Chips Part 1. Today I'd like to give a shout-out to a new patron, Sam Bale, Fly Sprayer. Thank you very much for your support. This podcast is written, recorded, and produced by me, Chris McClure. You can support the show through Patreon or Coffee. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to find out more, go to HowieMilkman.com. It's time for The Milkman of St. Gav's. Starring Howie the Milkman. Have you ever held on to a lie so hard and for so long that it hurt? Something you knew you just couldn't tell anyone, even though it was killing you inside. That's what I was going through. I had a bit of time to sit quietly and reflect on everything, and I knew things would never be the same again. All I ever wanted was to be a pillar of my community, to have a big house on Grand Street, and for everyone to point at me and say, Look, there's Howie Coxwell. He started out as a plucky young lad delivering milk, and now look at him. He's got a big house on Grand Street. 
but that's not the way it was turning out. I knew now that the magician would haunt my days the way the hound did, but he was smarter, tenacious. And it was because of him that I'd had to lie. Instead of telling everyone what had really happened, I'd concocted a crazy story about eating bad fish and falling on a nail. And that's where all my troubles began. I didn't have anything personally against Granard, even though sometimes his chowder could have been a bit hotter and he sometimes forgot the crackers. But I never meant for him to close down his shop. He blamed me for everything and I knew that, in a way, it was my fault. But it's not like I could tell anyone what really happened. First of all, no one would believe me. And second of all, I had a duty to the milkmen, and I couldn't just go around telling trade secrets to everyone in town. If Granard had to lose his job over it, well, he was just as much a casualty of war as any boy who'd gotten his head blown off in the trenches. But there I sat, in the dark and alone, trying to keep my breathing under control and listening for footsteps. I was in a small, dark room full of smelly old brooms and mops. I was cold. I'd been sweating, but now, sitting here, I'd gotten a chill. I knew the wound in my chest was bleeding again, but there was nothing I could do about it right now. I didn't know how long I'd have to sit here, but... What was that? I definitely heard something. I opened the door a crack to look out but I must have elbowed one of the mops and it fell over. Someone yanked the door open. No! No, don't! But maybe I'd better start at the beginning. I was in the park, and the magician was doing his tricks for some kids. Then he made a horrible face and they ran off. He laughed and sat down beside me. I wanted to get up and run, but I was frozen in place. Hi there, Howie. Don't look so perturbed, my boy. I'm your guardian angel, watching over your shoulder all the time. Too bad the fountain's cracked. You see what happens when you start fooling around where you don't belong? Who knows what's going to come crawling out of those cracks? Nothing to say? That's alright. We can just enjoy the afternoon sitting here doing nothing. Then he started rubbing his stomach. I'm starving. Isn't there anywhere to get something good to eat in this town? I couldn't take my eyes away, as he actually pulled off his finger, and he put it in his mouth and started chewing. I bolted up and walked away. No one else seemed to notice him. Maybe I was just imagining things? I still had the pipe in my hands. Time to go home and lie down a bit clear my head. Surely it was just a waking dream like Dr. Barrett had said. But then I also started to notice that some people were staring at me and giving me dirty looks. One plump fellow who I didn't know at all even stopped me. He put his finger right in my chest. Hey, you're a damned liar you are. You've got some nerve you have. And then someone else shouted from not too far off. Get back to the mainland, you lousy bugger. I just kept walking. It became clear that I was becoming unpopular. Who knew that Granard was so important to the town? 
It's like I'd cracked the social fabric of the community or something. I was actually a bit shocked at the ingratitude of the townsfolk. After all the milk I'd delivered, and all my efforts to suppress subversion, all they really seemed to care about was their fish sandwiches. I had some hope that the whole thing might blow over in a few days, but that afternoon there was a knock on my door. It was Mrs. Summertag and Inspector Piercy. Oh, hi there, Howie. I, I hope you're not in any trouble, but the police wanted to see you. You'll have to come with me, son. Why? Where are we going? You'll find out soon enough. He didn't handcuff me or anything, so I figured I wasn't in too much trouble. Out on the street, I asked him again. There's been an emergency meeting called with the mayor. You'll have to testify. About what? I think you know very well what this is about, Mr. Coxwell. Now, I didn't know anything about the mayor, and hadn't even heard anyone talk about the mayor, but Piercy led me to the Red Lion Hotel downtown. The lobby was all red and gold with stone columns, big plush couches and there was a fancy waiter in a black suit, and a big chandelier made out of thousands of bits of glittering glass. Why are we in a hotel? He just shrugged his shoulders. It's the mayor's official residence, and office. I didn't really know what to make of this, but I was pretty excited when we got to an elevator and Piercy pushed the button for the top floor. Up and up we went, until we got to the sixth floor. I'd never been up so high in a building before and couldn't wait to see the view. But when we went into the room, the big red curtains were all drawn and it was a huge room. But there were some people there too, some sitting on couches. Corwin stood with a cocktail glass. Granite was there on the couch staring knives at me. There was a gramophone playing in the corner, a big four-poster bed, a thick carpet, an ornate table with silver dishes, and a half-eaten chicken dinner and a bottle of wine. The fire was going in the fireplace, and there was a beautiful mechanical clock on the mantel. This must have been one of the most royal rooms anywhere, I thought. And then a door opened, and in walked the most elegant lady I'd ever seen. She was about 50, maybe, with a tight black dress with lots of tassels. The dress might even have been see-through, but I couldn't quite tell. She had a necklace of white pearls. Her hair was all shiny and pinned back somehow, and there was a feather stuck in her hair, too. She must be the mare, I figured. So, this is the milkman. He's a liar, Granard said through gritted teeth. A nicely dressed man smoking a cigarette with a long holder spoke up without even looking my way. Let's get this over with as quickly as possible, shall we? The man with the cigarette continued. We're here for an emergency injunction to keep Granard's chippery open until a health inspector arrives. Mr. Granard here alleges that Howie couldn't have gotten sick, that no one else has ever gotten sick, and then Mr. Coxwell here is really disgruntled because Mr. Granard forgot to include crackers with his last order of fish chowder. That's not true, there were crackers. Quiet, the mayor said. And then the man went on. 
We've spoken to the doctor, who says there is little chance that Mr. Coxwell could have gotten sick from the fish. He suspects that something else happened to Mr. Coxwell to cause his hallucinations, but he is not at liberty to say what. I felt I was being sold out. They wanted to make me a patsy. I looked to Corwin pleadingly, but he said nothing. He just smiled at me with a slight air of menace. To make a long story short, it was decided that the chippery would reopen. Apparently, I was just a liar or really confused, but in any case, not someone to be taken seriously. And then, at the end of the proceedings, the mayor clapped her hands. Time for dancing! They put on a new record and ushered all the non-official people out of the room. Outside, I walked a bit with Corwin. I know that wasn't very pleasant, Howie, but I appreciate your discretion in this matter. With that, he slapped me on the back and walked off. Granard passed me just after, smirking. The jerk. That night, I got some cold sausage and beans for dinner, but they tasted like ashes in my mouth. To have everything I'd worked so hard for crumble down to my ankles just like that, it wasn't fair. I looked out the window. One of the two bigger fishing boats that still operated on the island was chugging out to sea, the smoke from its smokestack rising high into the heavens. I wished the boat was taking me to a brighter horizon, where I could start afresh. Maybe I could be a fisherman, I thought. Waking up early and getting grizzled and sunburnt, I'd be the guy with the shadowy past that didn't say too much, but you knew you didn't want to mess with him. I'd spend the evenings looking knowingly out to sea, smoking my pipe, and no one would bother me because they'd know I was thinking tough, manly thoughts. The sun set on the sea, and the few strands of cloud on the horizon were bright red. As it got dark, my dream of becoming a fisherman was stripped of all its color, and I could see it for what it really was, another attempt to escape from my problems. I stood up, put my head out the window, and took a deep breath. The cool sea air sharpened my mind, and I knew I had to do something. The old banging started again. I was too wound up to fall asleep with her hitting the walls. And slowly, very slowly, a plan formed in my head. I put on my regular clothes and went out. I knew what I had to do. It must have been about 11 o'clock at night, and it was a Tuesday, so I was going to be tired tomorrow, but I had no choice. I had to fix up my reputation somehow. When I got to Dr. Barrett's place, I snuck around the back. The door was locked, but he'd forgotten to close the back window all the way. I opened it up as quietly as I could and pulled myself inside. Once I was in there, I stood motionless and listened. I didn't hear anything except McMurtle's breathing tubes. I crept past him. The pecker head was still just lying there doing nothing. He was still a milkman. I guess they figured he might wake up one day. I saw his parents sometimes at their shop. They'd hung a picture of him on the wall behind the cash register like he was some kind of saint. I was just happy I didn't have to listen to his lectures about procedures and nozzles anymore. I looked all around through the cabinets and drawers until I found what I was looking for. I looked back at McMurtle, 
His eyes were still closed, so I hopped back out the window and left. Back out on the street, I was feeling pretty good. I had the big medicine bottle shoved into my pants, the doctor hadn't heard a thing, and my plan was coming apart without a hitch. The air was cooler now. I stopped a second and took a deep breath. I'd come to a high point on the road where I could look out and see a big swath of the town and all the way out to the harbor. It was clear and the white moon looked like a big yellow ball of cheese. There was the church tower with its telephone inside. There was the giant hull of the ship they were building, towering over the buildings down by the harbor. In the moonlight, every one of the pastel houses looked like a kid's dollhouse. Red houses and blue ones and yellow. Some older ones made of stone sat at funny angles since they were older than the streets. Every house with its little people inside and its little couches and beds, a little bit of bread, a couple of empty milk bottles. Probably the same families had been living out their lives in the same houses forever. Everyone asleep and dreaming. Tomorrow they'd get up and go about their usual business, planning to repaint the old boards, worrying about their kids' grades in school, or whether the older kids would ever come back from the war. One day, maybe that would be Stormy and me worrying in front of the fireplace. But tonight, as I walked on, I felt like the lord of the whole island. The world kept throwing problems at me, but my mind was working like a steel clock ticking away and coming up with the right fixes. My footsteps echoed through the quiet. But then I tripped on one of the cracks in the sidewalk they never got around to fixing. I got the wind knocked out of me, but I checked the bottle and it was fine. Back home, I caught a few hours of sleep before I had to start my rounds. I drove extra fast today so that my plan would work out. I ignored all the bad looks knowing that the people of St. Gaffs would see me in a new light by the end of the day. I didn't stop to talk to anyone except Stormy. I got to her place earlier than usual, and she didn't have much time to talk anyways, since she was freaking out about her last exam, math. She said some kids, including her and Molly, were going to the drugstore to celebrate after, and that I should come by. By then my plan would be working and I couldn't wait to meet up with her and see how proud she'd be of me. But, like I said, I was also rushing around, so after 11, before lunch, I made an unscheduled stop. I knew from experience that Granard got his fish around this time, and I was there when the fisherman was making his delivery, bringing in a few boxes through the front door. Now, to explain, I knew I couldn't go on being accused of ruining Granard's business as a mere frivolity. I knew that the only way to regain my fellow man's esteem was to make sure that I wasn't the only one who got sick from the fish. In any ways, the people deserved it for not believing me. So I hung around a little ways off watching the fish get unloaded, and then, when Granard was paying the fisherman and chit-chatting with him on the sidewalk, I snuck around the back alley. Lots of people didn't lock their doors around here, unlike back home. So I ducked inside, opened the bottle of Podexium, and poured it into the big pot of chowder Granard was making for lunch. Just after the last drop dropped, Granard came in. Hey, what the hell are you doing here? Oh, I just wanted to come by and say that there's no hard feelings about everything, 
I guess I must have made a mistake and probably I didn't get sick from your fish. And you had to sneak in the back to do that? Get out of here, you rascal! So out I went. If he couldn't let bygones be bygones, it wasn't my problem. I knew I was the bigger man since I was the one who'd come to apologize to him. I went about the rest of my day feeling pretty good. I could just imagine everyone was going to be saying for themselves, Boy oh boy, we should have listened to that Howie. But when I got to the drugstore, Stormy wasn't there. And Molly wasn't there either. Leo, her classmate, was there. I didn't really want to talk to him, but I did anyways. She never showed up for the exam, I don't know where she is. This made me pretty worried, so off to the Greenwood house I went. Hi, Howie. I'm, I'm afraid Stormy's taken ill. She and Molly were found dancing in the fountain in Lapham Square. She came home soaping wet, and she's resting now. Go ahead, I'm sure she'd like to see you. Up in her room, I winced when I saw the familiar old wallpaper, and there was Stormy looking dazed and tired. Howie, I, I don't know what happened. Molly and I, we were on our way to school, and we just started feeling so weird, and then I must have blacked out. But I missed my exam. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's awful. Where did you go for lunch? Granard's. Granard's? How could you do that after I got sick there? It was open. I thought it was fine now. My dad spoke to Mr. Jenkins, the math teacher. He says he saw me and Molly dancing in the fountain on his way home, and we were just skipping school and probably drunk. I don't know what to do. He's going to make me come back and do the course again next year when I'm supposed to be graduating. I left Stormy's house feeling pretty upset. I had half a mind to go see Mr. Jenkins and give him a piece of my mind, but I just didn't have time. At the milk station, I must have been looking pretty down in the mouth. Frank and Beaver were waiting for me. Why so glum, chum? Frank asked. I told him all about Stormy's troubles and the annoying teacher. You want us to go have a chat with him? Frank asked. Why would you go talk to him? Then Beaver piped up. He's distracting you from your work. It's unacceptable. I figured that if they could convince Mr. Jenkins, then that was great. On my way out of town, I stopped at Skipper Jim's Cafe. I'd never been in there, but now I felt I had little choice. I couldn't very well go back to Granard's. I parked the truck, went in, grabbed a chicken sandwich to go, and walked out. It felt like a pretty substantial sandwich, and I was looking forward to eating it at the shack while the sun went down. But right in the middle of my reverie, there was Granard. He looked very angry when he saw me, and his face turned red. Come here, you bastard! Then he pulled out a long fillet knife and ran at me. But he'd made a serious tactical mistake because he was still about half a block away and I had enough time to hop in the truck and gun the motor before he got to me. In the side mirror, I could see him stomping mad on the sidewalk. Peckerhead, I said to myself as I eased onto the road out of town. And there I was, free as a bird that someone let out of its cage. The rolling countryside rolled by. The afternoon wind blew in my face. I passed farms, woods, and then there was Mount Glenmoy in the distance. As I pulled up to the shack, I felt like nothing could touch me. 
It was close to five already, so I went in and decided to send off the message before having my dinner. So I sat down, spread out my sheet, got the record player ready, and off I went. Braca, 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 three eight four seven five, three eight four seven five, three eight four seven five. 5701461 Braca 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 Then instead of hanging up the receiver I stopped and thought for a second I figured these messages were probably going to the Department of Lactic Affairs on the mainland and I decided I would just ask them directly If you're there this is Howie Coxwell on St. Gaff's Island I'm just wondering when you'll be sending my red badge over. It's been a while now, so if you could send it right away, that would be great. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. And I hung up. Hopefully that would get the wheels moving, I thought. On the bench outside, I took in the view as I unwrapped the sandwich. It smelled pretty good, but then I heard something. Another motor. I stood up so I could see better and I recognized Granard's truck. And he was really moving, too, right up the mountain. How did he know I was up here? No time to worry about that now. Mournfully, I rewrapped my sandwich and hopped into the truck. The road up was pretty narrow, and I didn't want to risk having him bump into me and damage company property. So I turned the truck around and started down the other side of the mountain, heading west. I'd never gone that way before and didn't know what I'd find. The road meandered down, switchback after switchback. Not many people drove down this way, judging by the shape the road was in. There were weeds all over the place. I didn't know if Granard was still chasing me, but I was driving too fast to take my eyes off the road. I couldn't see anything in the mirrors. Maybe he gave up. But I kept going anyway. I didn't want to take any chances. Still, I found myself forgetting that I was being pursued and admiring the landscape. It was definitely more rugged on this side of the island, hillier, with denser plants and trees. And that made it even more surprising when the road opened out onto a little collection of low, bare, concrete buildings on the coast. But it was odd. Some of the buildings weren't finished being built. There was concrete with metal rebars sticking out, as if they'd just stopped halfway through building them. Then I noticed that there were gun turrets and a kind of concrete reinforced trench. This must have been some kind of army hideout. Now it was all overgrown and awful looking. I hopped out to see if I could hear anything, and sure enough I heard Granard's truck not too far away. I jumped down into the trench and found an open door. I went in and closed it behind me. Inside it was dark and musty smelling, but I was sure I'd find somewhere to hide in here. It was some kind of control room with peep holes for looking out to sea. The only light in the place came in from the peep holes. There were big machines I didn't recognize, big valves. 
There was some scurrying, and I figured the rats must have taken the place as their home. Then the door opened behind me, and I rushed into the first room I could find. It turned out to be a janitor's closet. Howie? Podexium? What the hell is Podexium? Then I remembered. I must have left the Podexium bottle in the fish shop. That was really careless. I'm gonna gut you when I find you, you miserable bastard! Then I also remembered Granard's fillet knife. And as I said at the beginning, I heard a strange noise, opened the door to take a peek, knocked over the mop, the door got pulled open, and then I heard, No! No, don't! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.